Our, our internet went down yesterday, and I literally was like, "God bless." What the heck do I? What am I going to do? Like, okay, can't check internet, can't check. Okay, and it was just like my, my computer was down, but my I still have network, so I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, and then I was trying to do everything on there, right? You're like, I mean, even though I didn't have the phone, I still felt like, "Oh my god!" I can't open up the other app that I need to use for the other thing and the other. Oh my goodness! What dude. are my thumbs gonna do? They're they're so started, useless right now. <laughs> so I started trying to clean my desk, and I'm like. Oh, maybe that would be a good thing to do in this interim time. <laughs> and then internet comes back grade? on. Grade? You're still a mess. Should I grade? grade? Oh, <laughs> uh, students don't get it. They don't get it. Like, uh-uh. I, I, um, man, oh, man, we're already, we're already in there. We already Let's jump in, in buddy. Come on. Okay. Well, look, uh, let's start over. We'll start over at 830, 840. Here we go. Sorry. You got it. Welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you've joined us. Today's guest is Noam Rauscher. Um, Noam is a rabbi. He's a teacher. Uh, he supports men who have gone through or who are going through divorce. Um, and in this conversation, you're going to hear a really meaningful conversation between men who are trying to do some of this work. What you can also hear is um, he and I both have experienced the Mankind Project's New Warrior Training Adventure, the NWTA. I think there's two things that came up in this conversation that I'm really excited about. First, I didn't know he was a warrior brother. Um, And two, (laughs) I should tell you where I am because maybe you're already noticing that uh, my voice sounds different or if you're noticing the image, you probably see it's different. Um, I am in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, I'm here presenting with Bowling Green University, Project Impact Grant, and it has been an amazing day. Today was our first day of presenting, um, and the teachers who showed up today really um, had a meaningful experience. Uh, One thing I'm really excited about that you um, uh, may not know is in today's conversation, when we think about, when I think about not only the New Warrior Training Adventure, when I think about these conversations with men from around the world, um, the stories that come out of these conversations. And I know that in Noam's conversation, he brought up a story that's from a story of antiquity, we call it, right? A story from the Bible. In regards to what you feel about the Bible, I just want you to know um, the Bible is, is, is considered a scholarly literature resource. <laughs> on many top lists of the best books ever written, it is always on the top of the list. But I believe the Bible in lots of different ways as well. I believe in it. But what came out of it is a conversation um, about um, Jacob. And if you go and read the story, if you know the story, you would know, and I'm not an expert on the Bible, but I, but one of the stories in the Bible is that, that Jacob was in a wrestling match. And while he was in this wrestling match, wrestling for hours, really trying to get his blessing, get to get what was what he felt was owed to him or due to him. He and he wrestled for it. He didn't just say, "Hey, hand me what I'm owed." He he was in a battle for it. If you know the story, there's a deeper layer of the story. But the part that I want to share and to think about is that how often are we in the battles of our for our goals and for our for our dreams and for our blessing? How often are we 
demanding of life and of our, what we believe in, that we're going to get that thing, that we're not just going to sit around and wait for it to happen, but in the work, through the work, we're going to go off and make that thing happen. I think sometimes, um, you know, extrapolating from the Bible story is me thinking of my own life and my own story. Like if I want to really do this thing, I want to have this podcast. I want to do these speaking engagements. I want to do these um, inspirational activation conversations with people to help take them from where they are to where they want to be, knowing that it's not automatic. Just because you want it doesn't mean it's going to happen. But today here in Ohio, um, in this room that I get to try and make this uh, podcast still, like we, the show must go on. This is part of the work that we get to do when we're pushing towards our dream. That everything won't always be in the in the studio of my office with my fancy microphone. Sometimes we're going to use the mic built into the computer. We're going to use the camera built into the computer. We're going to use a wall that's sitting here and a lamp that's just going to fall over while you're recording. All of those things are all happening at the same time. And it's okay. You know, I wish you all the best um, on the journey of your life. I hope that you're inspired and activated to do something. I hope in this conversation, you find something that is speaking to your heart. I hope that you take what you learned today and share it with someone else. Don't keep it to yourself. I hope you're in, you get a chance to make your own mask. Whether you do it online or whether you do it at home, please let us know that you're a part of this movement. We um, feel like there's a momentum stirring towards this movement, and we need you a part of it. That's what it takes. So thank you for being a part of the Taking Out the Mask podcast. Uh, as we move into the holiday season, we'll be sharing you our holiday schedule, and we're trying some new things. And so you will be listening and hearing some new episodes, some bonus episodes. And I don't know if they're going to be called bonuses or just new different episodes, but they are going to be in the interim. There are going to be masks that we're going to be sharing on Mondays. Those are some new things that are going to be happening over this as we close out 2021, move into 2022, and we're excited to have you along with us. So please. Like, share, subscribe, share this podcast with somebody who you think could learn or benefit from it. And for all the people out there, wishing them happy holidays. And thank you for being a part of the journey with us. See you soon. I'm super excited to uh, be connected with Noam. And um, he had a post the other day that was really like opening some new thoughts in my mind around men and masculinity and um if you haven't seen the clip from saturday night live i encourage you to go watch it um called man park it's not only funny but it's also sad in the same context of like how true it is and so uh noam welcome to the taking off the mask podcast thanks for having me here ashanti it's great to be here Man. Well, you know, the way we start the show is we ask the guests to just tell the folks what you want folks to know about you before we jump into this conversation. And uh, I'm really glad you're here with us. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm a human being who identifies as a man in any way, in a number of shapes and forms. And uh, I'm also a father. I'm also a proud Jewish man. And uh, I practice as a rabbi, uh, but primarily as a spiritual coach. Uh, I do a lot of teaching now. I love teaching them in the classroom, you know, 40 hours a week. It's wonderful. Uh, but I also do a lot of spiritual coaching and I guide any seeker, not just Jews, but anyone who's seeking and uh, embracing life's challenges and being faced with life's questions. I help them walk through it with grace and dignity. 
And I'm also a divorce coach for men. I help them go through the process with confidence and direction so that they can get everything that they need out of the process. Nice. Yeah. Man, thank you for that. Thank you for that. I, I'm looking forward to being in this conversation. I, I was, I'm, I'm just, I just finished uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, and, what a great I, book. Oh, my goodness. And I think it, it has opened up just a whole new thought process around life and challenge and struggle and pain and despair and suffering. And That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and I think uh, I'm really excited about this conversation. I think what we've tried to do in this work around the masks, I'm, I'm surprised. I have been trying to read it for a long time and I, and I hit some parts that are kind of hard to read sometimes, but yeah, but I realized is that. Yeah. And for everything for feelers, right? If you're a person oh. who doesn't feel, you can read it and be like, Oh, it's just a story. But when you, if you're a feeler, I, you have like, Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And feeling the words and feeling, I think that when somebody's suffering and you hear them share their suffering, you can be like, Oh, poor them. Or, right. But for me, when I feel it, when I hear it and feel it, I, I feel it. And so I had to take it in, in chunks, you know? Um, but I think that thinking about what he, what he described in there, he talked about um, you're, you're helping men go through challenging times, you know, yeah. whether it's divorce or um, other challenging situations. How do you walk through those challenging exactly. situations? It's really around recognizing that there's some, there is a meaning to life, you know? That's exactly right. That there's some meaning in what you're going through more so than just this is shit and I don't like it and it's meant for pain and I apologize if I curse. I hope that's no, it's okay. okay. It's absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's what it is, whether it's divorce or whether it's any other major life transition that you're going through or even great literal real suffering, right? Like he speaks about people in concentration camps yeah. facing life or death circumstances on a regular yeah. basis, being treated like, less than animals, right? Lower than dirt, right? Yeah. The difference between people who survived and didn't was primarily those who found a way to make meaning of it all, right? There's little you can do about someone forcing you into a gas chamber or leading you to your death, but to the extent about living in an environment in which suffering is a regular basis of it, right? How do you get through that? You make meaning out of it in saying, this is for a greater purpose, right? This is to teach me something. I will gain something from this. I, it might be difficult, but I will be better off. And even and, and even in that piece, like on our daily operation, our daily walks of life is we're right. trying to figure out how do we navigate all the stuff that's happening and get to a place where we don't check out before it's our time. Right. Exactly. Right. And I think that right. what what I see with a lot of teenagers and when I say check out, it could be lots of different ways. It's metaphorical, but it's also it could be substances to, to disconnect. It could right. be drinking relationships, fights all the things that people do to escape being in the, the complicatedness of life sometimes, you know? Well, it's so funny too, how in education, like that's primarily what we're teaching, right? Like we're not just like, yes, there's a factual kind of element of education where it's just like two plus two equals four, right? There are certain truths that we have to convey to you, but the larger essence of it all is to say that like learning has real significance, Right. And we're going to give it to you in any number of ways. Now, you may suffer through the process because you don't like the early hours and you're like the teachers telling you what to do. Right. You don't like lining up and being quiet and all that stuff. Right. And you want to go home. I know what it is to be a student at three o'clock in the afternoon on Friday. Right. I also see it in my own students. But there is something to be said about the fact that, like, when you, you know, kind of strip away, um, you know, the science of it all, yeah. right, the science of education, it really comes down to saying, like, you have open time here, 
And your growth is more than just you getting bigger physically in your body. It's a maturation. And that takes really kind of being in a community and a process by which you can learn things and get perspective. And then not just take two plus two equals four, but to say, well, why does that really matter in my life? Why do I need to challenge myself so much so that I actually learn something and that it hurts at times, right? That there's a little bit of pain involved that I failed, right? Um, Or that I didn't get something right. This is about meaning much more so than it is about putting facts in your head. Yeah. And oh, man, 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 man. I think the one thing that you just talked about it was this idea of like, when I get to that place of the of the feeling like I'm in the suffering, um, I just learned recently, just literally, the etymology of the word passion mm. is about suffering and pain. Yeah. Right. And so right. like to, to go toward the things that you dream of, that you want, you may think that it's supposed to be the easy way through, but the other end is where you find the bliss and the, and the flow, but to go through all the other questions of why would I, like when I left engineering to become a teacher, the the battle was with my, my ego and the voices of, dude, you're going to leave all that money, money, right. And potentially fame or prosperity in some way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because growing up poor, the, the only thing I wanted to do was become rich or wealthy or not have money to be a problem. And to leave that 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 five year journey of like, oh my god, I never think about money, because there's enough of it to go to be a teacher where I knew that I get paid once a month, and right. then I'm trying to figure out how to stretch all that money, all right. the, all that all that bit. money, <laughs> all that stuff, right? And I to my student, well, you have the audacity to tell me you only here for the check. I am my very immature adultness would go and get the check stubs. And I would say, let me show you, Mr. Teenager, who thinks no, you know everything. <laughs> the difference. With your Air Jordans <laughs> that your parents bought you. Let me show you these two check stubs. And let me just, what do you notice first off? You know, that's oh, the part. And they're like, you you left all that for to be here? You're crazy, right? And the yeah. idea is that, well, it's the, I, you say that now because you can't see the other side. But when you go to that place where you've been chasing dollars and it, and it doesn't make sense, you know, like that's what I feel. And I so, so I'm so thankful for these conversations with men from all over to be able to say, man, why, where, where did I learn the message? I mean, I grew up with a single mother, so I learned it from men in the community, yeah. you know, and yeah. who was like, here's what you better do. Here's, mm-hmm. Suck it up. Don't show no feeling. Like all the places I got conformed or I, I conformed to being accepted uh, was behaviors that I often didn't even agree with, but there's a there's a cost. There's, <laughs> there's a, a cost, cost. To, to be yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, man, that that's the that's the show already, right? Let's go. That's but it. I'm Package so it, sell it. We're good. <laughs> well, I'm so excited that we get to make these masks together. And thank you for being a part of the movement with us. And absolutely, um, the guest gets to decide who goes first. So either you go first or I go first, and we'll share the front. First, and then we'll share the back, and then we'll we'll let the conversation take it where it goes. Uh, I'm happy to go first. That's cool. Yeah, okay. I'd love to. So just fold, hold it so that you can just see the front first, and then we'll just do the front, and then we'll, I'll do the left front of mine after you. You got it. So I tried to draw my face as best as I could. The beard never comes out looking as good as I want it, but I gave myself blue eyes because I have blue eyes, so at least it's a little bit more recognizable as me. Nice. Um, uh, maybe I should hold it up to my face like this. So it actually looks like a mask, a floating head. Um, but uh, I put 
the three words. Do I need to describe my face? At all? I know you can, no. whatever. Whatever it's a good face. I think it's, it's a good face. It's a good face, and it's okay. some nice eyes. Very nice. Thank eyes. you. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Um, so I put the three words. I put strong, smart, and compassionate. And here's an interesting word about compassionate, by the way, right? You said passion is about the suffering and the joy of it, right? Compassionate means to suffer along with someone. Did you know that? I didn't. To suffer know. along with someone. Uh, yeah. Makes sense. It makes sense. Makes... That's exactly right. Yeah. So you should say Ooh. that to your students have compassion with one another and you'll build relationships. <laughs> suffer together through my class. That's right. That's the only way you're going to get through it. That's the only way you're going to get through it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that down. I gotta write that. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look that one up too. <laughs> Thank you for compassion. I like. I, like... I hear your passion. Have some compassion and suffer yeah, along with everyone. Let's go. Can you, can you let me just tell you how much I'm going through right now, so that right. you can join me. As opposed to like <laughs> when I ask you how you're doing, you say fine, and um, and I keep moving, right? Because right. that's all. That's all I had time for anyway, right? <laughs> you're fine. You're good. You're cool. You're right. okay, right? Fine. Good and cool, brother. Good man. Oh man. Oh man. I, I look forward to talking about those fourth graders in a minute. <laughs> All right, here's mine. This is a this is the, what I drew today. Okay, got a little half smile there. Yeah, trying trying to creep one out of the the back of that. And I wrote these words. I wrote serious, intense, wow, and funny. Yeah, and um, those are feeling really pre- present today. Like I put funny last because I love to laugh. I love, and sometimes uh, my seriousness and intenseness. Uh, laughing comes so far back later like i'm just trying to get stuff done i got too many things to do okay wh- wh- why are we why we, we don't have time for the goofing off right now like i got in my mind i'm like go 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 and i oftentimes don't i don't rest enough i don't uh i don't take the time to celebrate i think enough so uh yeah. i remember we you know we got this grant um it was our biggest grant at the time um and uh, the team got the call, and I was like, "Oh my god, thank you!" I, I worked so hard for it, and I hung up the phone. And the team was like, "Yeah, we got this grant, right?" And then I was right back to the computer, yeah. and they were like, "Branch, hey, you want to celebrate?" I, I, I don't know how. I, I don't know. I think I'm so far behind where I think I'm supposed to be. My my comparison voice says, "What, what do you mean? You've been at this 17 years, and you just now." This you just now like there's a lot of comparison I do around I should be further along the journey. Mm. And so because I do I do because I do that to myself, I never feel like I've accomplished anything. So you never celebrate. You're always moving on to the next thing. I have a hard time. I have oh, a hard geez. time. And I'm working on that. That's a, that's a, one of my edges is also one of my my um my my areas of growth is like like I think I made a video the other day where I talked about the journey of like when I think about Ever Forward Club as an organization, I started in 2004. We had one club in 2004. If I look at just the number of clubs we have today, we have three clubs today. I'm like, 17 years, you only got three clubs? But that's me using numbers as a measuring tool for our our, our success. Yeah, right. And But when I think about the hundreds of young people who we've worked with, the thousands of young people if I don't give myself credit to even think about that and I use this number system, like one club, three clubs, I feel I make myself feel like I haven't been doing any hard. I haven't been working hard. And I think that's part of my work is that I'm so serious and intense that even when a good thing happens, I'm like, yay, okay, let's get back to it because I got still more to do. 
And I think I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning that even when I celebrate, it, I'm not saying I'm done. I'm saying this is a step along the journey. And this journey, this piece was completed well, right? And I get to keep moving toward the other steps, you know? I've really needed to build up that self-compassion, right? That being my best friend, because that inner critic speaks loudly in me. So when my marriage failed, you know, I interpreted it and embodied the idea, or at least saw myself as a failure. And I think that's still part of, you know, my shadow, right? Yeah. The part of the mask that people don't see. And if we're not there yet, I can wait, but oh, no. um, let's do it. So yeah, let's but, do it. But being able to address that, right, and having a self-compassionate voice in my in my head that silenced the inner critic, or at least you know, just lowered the volume on it somewhat, right, so that I had an equal you know speaking level for both of them. And, and to admittedly, I think having an inner critic is not so bad. Like, I wonder if there's something protective about that, right? That like yeah. they help you make wise decisions by saying, "I don't think that's really the smartest thing," right? Like, I, I think that's okay sometimes. So it depends on the volume of the inner critic. But you also need to have that, you know, inner friend, right? Yeah. The self-compassionate one who's going to say like, all right, you may not have reached all the students that you wanted to reach, yeah. but you reached a good enough number of them That's and that right. helps. And so what I said about myself and my marriage was you made mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes in marriage, right? You both made mistakes. It's a two-way street, yeah. but you also lot of, brought a lot of love and beauty to that circumstance and family and support and security and strength and all the other things that you should have brought. It just didn't work out and it doesn't work out for a lot of people. And that actually helped me much more in moving forward from the event and then also forming other relationships in life because there was certainly a part of me that, you know, I carry a shadow of questionable self-worth, hmm. right? Like, am I really worth it Yeah. in any number of things, right? Are the things that I'm putting out there, right? Do people, the, the podcast, right? Do, do people listen to those? Do people even care? Like, does any of that really matter? And ultimately comes back, do I really matter? Yeah. Right? Do people matter that I'm around? Does it matter to other people that I'm around? That's right. right. That sort of thing. So I wonder about these things. And I, I think a lot of this is also wrapped up in probably a functional depression, right? That I have that I carry around that is exacerbated by seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, at, and so like it all just kind of feeds together in that way yeah. and having a self-compassionate voice helps to really silence a lot of that stuff. Ooh, ooh, you, you didn't say that. You said a couple of things that just really stuck out to me. And I, and I, and I think that you talked about the self-compassion and the inner critic. I think they, they, they sometimes ride in the same car. I, I, Absolutely. I was listening to something the other day and I was, I don't know where I was, what I heard and what I was thinking about, but I was like, why do I let my self doubt drive? Yeah, I mean, why, why don't I just let yeah. it be be a passenger, be in there in the journey, yeah. but yeah. stop letting self doubt drive? Mm -mm. Like I, I, I've I've recorded hundreds of self like head head talking head videos. You know where they are in the phone still. You know right. why? Because self doubt is like, nah, that was a, you, you're there's a little blurry there. Oh, you missed up a couple of words there. Like I, oh, and so God. ultimately. I hate oh. that stuff. When it's I was in the in synagogue, there. when I worked in synagogues and I would give a sermon, right, there would be times where I would speak off the notes, right? People really like that, speaking off the cuff. But sometimes yeah. your brain goes in weird directions. I don't know about you. Have you ever had a word flub where you mix two words together, right, and it sounds like something completely different, right, yep. or you make a mistake in what you're saying? Yep. You know, like even if you correct it there, I go back an hour later and I go, oh, <laughs> what was that? 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, there's no need for that because that's I just true. gave a sermon to 250 people. Right. Like they heard me. That's, right? Right. that's what I should be focusing on. That's right. The fact that on a Saturday morning when they could have been doing any anything else, they came to hear me give a sermon that's and right. they enjoyed it. Yeah. Right. Forget about the little mistake. Don't that's let right. that become the entirety of what it is. Yeah. But if you do, that's when it gets really dangerous, man. That's oh, when man. Everything starts standing out. Absolutely. And I and I'm and I'm good at picking out my stuff. Like yeah. if, if, if somebody picks up something I've messed up on, I probably had already picked it out and uh, or sometimes you know, maybe a blind spot. But I I I think this idea of like thinking about how we how we treat ourselves, I think you said it earlier, how about we treat ourselves a little better? And I think yeah. um someone said, I don't know there's a quote, but I've heard it. Like, what if what if I treated myself like somebody I love, you know? Like I would never the, the way point. the way I talk yeah. to myself in the mirror sometimes, right. even without the mirror, just in my own head, right? The way I talk to them, I would never talk to people I love that way. Right. Like I'm so much more compassionate <laughs> with for others than I am for my even on my own self, you know? That's the way yeah. it is, yeah. Yeah. For everyone, I think. We Man. forget about that. You you know, it's you know, it's like, you know, you could be really nice at work and then go home and yell at your family almost. Sometimes we hurt the people that are most close to us. Yeah. And it, and in those isolated moments, it's ourselves, right? Yeah. You end up hurting yourself. That is. That is. Oh, man. All right. Well, I, I think I think we're already in. We're ready to get in the back. Let's do this. Let's keep doing okay. it, buddy. Come on. You're in it. You're in it. Yeah. So you I got to I, I got to say, first and foremost, it's really wonderful for me as a spiritual person, also a rabbi who studies the Torah, that. Um, we're actually in a, in a, and I'm not going to get preachy here, but I just want to no tell you the spiritual significance of it, that we're in the section of the Torah right now, the Jewish people at least, where we read the story of Jacob wrestling with the angel. Uh, and that's always been a, a favorite story of mine. And particularly having studied it further, I realized that, you know, we talk about it being an angel, but the Torah actually states that it's a mysterious person, right? It doesn't give any type of title to them. So that leaves it far more open to commentary and, and questions and so there's been a lot of speculation that maybe this is what we know to be the Sitra Akra, right, in, in Hebrew, right, or in Aramaic, the Sitra Akra, which is the, the shadow, right, what Jung would call that, right, the part of the mask that we don't show ourselves. And as you know, right, Jacob is a complex character, right? He's complicated yeah. because of the things that he's done, because of the wrongs he's committed in the life, the relationships that he's damaged, the mistakes yeah. that he's made. He carries a lot of shit around, a lot of baggage, right? Yeah. Maybe he's got an inner critic there. And this is literally his wrestling match with the inner critic who wins. It doesn't exactly win, right? Gives him a little bit of pain, right? Wrenches his hip. So he walks yeah. with a limp, yeah. but that also leaves him older and wiser. And as a new person, it becomes Israel. So like this whole thing about confronting the shadow, looking at the mask can actually be a real strengthening, I think, event, right? Because then it teaches you how to do something really with them. That's right. That's right. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> um yes and as I, as I hear you say that about this wrestling match and I think about that wrestling match and how many men wrestle yeah. with those things that right. are that they try and ignore but they need to wrestle with it to get through it right right like <laughs> like the only way to get to their blessing is to wrestle with that thing with the what causes uh, what causes the addiction, what causes the disconnection, what causes the exactly the grandiosity, right? What, what, what are the things I got to wrestle with to get to, and it's not going to be easy. 
Like my my situation, I I have a, a a food addiction to flour, sugar, sweet sub, like not candy. I I could never touch candy. So you're excited about, for Thanksgiving, is what you're saying? It's coming, right? It's it's the it's the best and worst, right? <laughs> the problem is, it's like if I was if I was a if I, if I thought I was normal around it, I could have one piece of pie, one piece of cake, and move on. But once I start, it is almost insatiable to turn off. Yeah. Like I can. Yeah. I can keep going, and so my addiction is is so bad that, like, just just a couple of weeks, like a couple of days ago, I realized, oh, you've been buying more stuff to try and satisfy this sweetness, and it ain't satisfying it. And so, what do you hear? What's happening? I started feeling myself just getting unhealthy, like feeling it taking over me. And I think that the wrestle is, I don't want to feel feelings of sadness. I don't want to feel feelings of of worry. I, yeah. I don't want to feel the insta self doubt, so I can just eat the eat it away. <laughs> and all I'm doing is just take you know taking and find myself to an early grave with not taking care of my health, right? And those are things that I constantly. I mean, I've been once I became aware of what I was doing. Yeah. I, before I didn't know. I didn't really even know. I'm like I'm always a big guy. I've been a big guy since I was five, right? Right, I've been calling me husky since I was five years old. You're husky. I'm the okay. same way, dude. I'm the same way. I should have put body image on there too because I'm always wondering if people think I got tiggle bitties, right, and all that stuff that people used to call me at summer camp when I took my shirt off. Oh man, I worry about that for my own kid. He's a bigger kid, right? People yeah. are gonna make fun of him. There's a lot of bullshit out there. I don't need oh. him developing some. You can see the mask being made right now in terms That's of right. what he feels about his own body. That's right. That's right. Oh man, I see it. And so I'm glad you brought up Jacob in the wrestling match. That actually, uh, so you want me to go first on the back or you want to go first? I'll go first since I okay. went uh, no, first on, on the front, if that's thank okay. You thank, thank you for bringing up Jacob. I appreciate that, man. So it, it, on the back of my mask, the stuff that I don't often talk about or share with people is that, yeah, I, I think I do have a, um, a, a low-grade or at least functional depression, right, that I kind of carry around. It's just my natural inclination, right? I. Yeah. I look at the world in very realistic ways. And, and I yeah. think that is upsetting to me in some ways, subconsciously, right? That I'm not always thinking about them, but they're there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that, like I said, you know, gets worse around the wintertime, right? It just kind of is. You want to spend time with family, right? It's times where you really want to be loved, right? Yeah. So, like, it's, you know, you're just missing out. And so, for me, it gets worse than, um, que- like I said, questionable self-worth, Right. In terms of really wondering if what I contribute has value to people want it, do people enjoy it? Do they even want me around really? Um, and then also, right. Am I stupid? Am I a failure? And I think that's primarily the inner critic going, you fucked it up. You fucked it up. That little mistake you made in flubbing the word. Everyone forgot everything else you said. They just remembered that you made that flub. Way to go. You worked for hours on it. And that was the mistake that you made. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I wrestle with. That's what I'm in the middle of wrestling with right now. Those are my shadows. Man. And that thing about the shadow, man, I, okay. Well. Bring it on, buddy. Here is the back of mine. Fear of failure. Fear of failure. Self-doubt. Self-doubt. Worrying and letting go. Yeah. Those are the ones. And I think when I think about, when you talk about, when you talk about failure, am I a failure? I often have to put my emotions in check because I growing up poor, my job was to, I, I was like, if I could, if I could not be poor, my life would be so much better. Uh. So when I went to school to be an engineer and I graduated, I was like, Oh, I got it. I, I, I didn't figure it out. And when I realized that that wasn't bringing me 
the level of joy that I thought it was. I mean, it was fun being able to go to the store and buy something without stressing over, do I have, can I buy it? Right. But but it wasn't making me happier in a way that I was like, I feel more fulfilled in my life. And I realized that uh, sometimes, like, when I, as a teacher, I mean, I, I'm, I'm so glad. I, I don't think I knew you were a teacher, but I'm so glad to hear that. Because I think sometimes I, when I went back to be, when I went to school to become a teacher, the, the the doubt jumped in big time. Like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? And I, I made the conscious decision that I was doing it. It wasn't forced. It wasn't. I didn't feel pressurized. But I kept saying, "How are you going to live the lifestyle that you don't that you want to live if you're going to go to a profession that is already." making it difficult for people all around, right? You can go on the internet and look at the salaries. You can see, right? right? And most people who don't know about what teaching is, they think that you get paid for 12 months, but you only work 10. No, you get paid for 10 months and you don't get making money in summer unless you work in the summer. So it's summer break and a summer break unless you can figure out how to break, you know? And I think that when I think about it all the time, and I I don't ever want to judge myself around money, but money is a good measure. It's easy to count, right? You can be like, "Hmm, do I have money or I don't have money?" Right? And right. I think that as a, or as a, as a, now that I'm not even a teacher, I'm a nonprofit leader. Money is a whole nother thing because if you don't hunt, there ain't no money. You know what I'm saying? It's not like a guaranteed check. There's no, if I don't go raise the money, as a, I there's no money to pay people. And now yeah. I have other people's livelihood on my, yeah. in my heart, in my right. soul. And so that fear and that self-doubt, when I mentioned self-doubt, like sometimes I feel like self-doubt is driving and I'm like, why am I letting self-doubt drive? Like all I can do is give my best. And like you said, the one word I messed up, the one little thing I said, oh, and I don't post anything and I'm, and I've been getting better. I've been getting better at it. And, and I you think don't the, post to Instagram, it's a social media and whatnot. When I, yeah. When I yeah, hold back, the, hold back yeah. a little video where I'm like. I said something wrong there. I'm just not going to post anything. And it's it's more, it's me thinking I'm not trying to be a perfectionist, but also saying I shouldn't make mistakes. And therefore, because I so overjudge myself, right. then I, it makes it hard. And I think now as an organization, we hired our first full-time person. And so you imagine 17 years, been doing this by myself. And finally, I got, I got hired five years ago. It's my fifth year anniversary right now. And I realized letting go is hard. Like I've never thought I could do all this by myself. Like I, I'm like trying to figure out how we're going to get this all done. How we're going to find the right people. And right. now we have people. And now I'm realizing the, the 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 letting go part is actually pretty challenging. Right, it's hugely challenging, especially if it's something that you love. I mean, I like I really enjoy doing the divorce podcast that I've been doing since the start of the pandemic. Right, a, a co-host fell into my lap. It was really wonderful. It was great. Um, and there are parts of me that's like, we got to do X, Y, and Z, and it's got to be X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But letting go of that makes it a lot more fun, to be honest with you, right? Just showing up and being like, all right, we don't use Zencaster, right? I don't have a, you know, someone to help me schedule interviews, right? We're just kind of doing it, you know, seat of the, whatever it is, seat of our pants, flying by the seat of our pants, and I put it on GarageBand, and that's it, you know? Yeah. But for me, that's actually a lot more fun than being like, it needs to be completely polished. It needs to be highly produced. It needs to be really well scheduled Yeah, because yeah. I really just want the fun element of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and I appreciate that. And I think one of the things that we've been, Oh man, all of, all of those things and that piece of like, um, is, is it working? I've, I've right. said to myself, is it working? I, I, I sometimes, um, 
don't want to go look at the analytics because I sometimes, and that's not a good business move, but it is a good heart soul move, yeah. right? Yeah. Because it it's like, feel good. <laughs> well, because if I go look, then I'm like, wait, only how many people listen to it? Do I, right. I do I really want to know? Do I, and I know that um, I, I was going through this little coaching course around the num, you know, how you, the numbers and all that stuff, right? Because I'm a numbers person. Yeah. And I'm like, why am I ignoring it? I, fear, more fear, more self doubt, and the worry of like, what if it's not reaching people? And, and every once in a while, I get a text from somebody who's been listening to it. I didn't know they were listening to it. Right. And I'm like, oh man. And it's just something like where you just say, okay, Ashanti, all I'm doing is trying to give back to people. I'm trying yeah. to give back. I wish there were more conversations like this when I was growing up where men were talking about, I'm human. Yeah. There's more to me than you can see by looking at me. Right. There's more to my resume. There's, right. there's what's happening behind the scenes. And to know that I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with me. And I think that's the work that we get to do. And for the young men in our work too, who get to hear men, who they may, if they have fathers, great. Maybe their fathers aren't present socially, yeah. emotionally. But to hear other men in their, around, they're like, yeah, you know, I worry about fear. I worry about doubt. And I don't talk about it. And to know that they may have those same people around them who just are not talking about it, you know? You know, you bring this up and it makes me think about all the things that's expected of us of men and particularly what we have to project, right? You have to project this image of confidence, of strength, of leadership, right? All these things that everyone, right? We're not just talking women from a heterocentric point of view, right? We're talking about everyone that everyone considers to be attractive, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> but that you know, that creates the problem, right? That you really never get to be your authentic self the way you want, right? You spend so much time projecting outward images of things that aren't necessarily you, or maybe they are, but they're not the entirety of you. And they may not necessarily be all the things that you want to project out there, but you have to. That's right. I, I wonder if it naturally leaves us questioning or at least asking, well, what's enough? How much of me is enough to put out there that is acceptable and attractive? And I would offer that it's the very baseline of who you are, yeah. right? It's got nothing to do with how special people might think you are or how attractive you think you're looking. It's got, no, yeah. it's got everything to do with just being a human being and having a soul, right? Yeah. That's, that's what makes you and your contributions enough. Forget about mm. everything else. And, and you're working with – most of our work has been middle school, high school, but we yeah. have, a, we have a, a circle of boys we work with. Yeah. And I wonder maybe for the boys or maybe not just the boys, but the students you work with in that age, eight, eight, eight years – well, fourth grade is like eight or nine, like nine, yes. nine years yeah. old. Eight or nine, they're straddling on that. Yeah. Where they're trying to now become, become. – they're becoming them more themselves. Yeah. They're having more oh, yeah. ideas and thoughts in their – they're testing them out against other people and like yep. the things they see other places they try and bring and play out. And you see <laughs> the ones who think they're Hulk Hogan and the other ones who think they're, oh God. you know, they're, they're the junkyard dog. Right. And like I, how I got a kid who challenges me to a 50 push up contest every day. I never take him up on it, but he's always challenging me. <laughs> Let's get it done. Rabbi Noam. Come on. But the other day I was in the bathroom and I overheard two young boys talking and they were talking about how guy code is that when you're in the bathroom, you never stand in the urinal next to another guy. You always leave a urinal between the two of you. Like even if they're dividers, <laughs> right? Because you're not supposed to look at another guy's junk. 
yeah. right? And you're not supposed to look at another guy in the eye in the bathroom. Like there's a funny YouTube video about this. It's all baloney. But like the things that they pick up, right, that they've already, you know, like assumed or what makes you a man or how men behave. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. But to know that like they're still learning that like you have to separate yourself in the bathroom mm. is crazy. Oh, man. I, oh, my gosh. So um, the lessons they're learning right fourth grade i had a parent at one of our workshops or um, a, a documentary screening she has a second grader and she said he, her second grader has a best friend and they sit right next to each other having lunch like they right. they're shoulder to shoulder elbow to elbow like sharing lunch and all she knew one day her son came home and he was like mom what is gay Oh and wow! He, and, she, and he was like, "Huh? What do you? Well, what do you mean? Right? He didn't even know what it meant, but he knew that the bigger kid, who saw him and his friend having lunch, having a great time, loving each other's company, being friendly with each other, intimate connection, said, "Oh, you two are gay." Now the kid didn't even know what it meant, but he knew what it felt like, and he knew the laughter by the other kids made it feel like, "What? What? What do we? What do we do? That is wrong. What do?" What, without even knowing what it means, imagine that. But even if it meant something, right? The fact that this other kid in the same elementary school, a bigger kid, yeah. had decided that any two young men that are having a good time together, laughing, fun, sharing lunch, being friendly, that somehow that's something something wrong and there's something not okay. And his mom was like, what do I do to not shake out of my boy the loving, caring part of himself, but also make him so he doesn't get victimized in a society that tells you that you can't be that way. And she said, I have a, I'm, I'm debate. Like what to tell him? Like, do I tell him to stay away from his friend? Do I tell him yeah. not to don't sit right. close to each other? Do I tell him to don't share lunch? Like, what do I have to do now as a parent to help my boy survive this world? And she's trying to do it by herself. And I said, Oh man, I felt for her because I've known, I know the feeling, right? I know the feeling as a boy being told certain things, right. As by other boys conforming you to, always having to be disconnected arm's length away, right? You don't get, you can't get too close, right? All the norms, when deep down, I think we just want connection, but we get it chased out of us or we get, we get the desire nurtured out of us. We say, oh no, I can't want that. I can't want to have close friendships with anybody, right? Unless it's about well, so, sports or football or, you know, some of the, the normal things, you know? Well, and that's the irony of the man park thing, right? From the Saturday Night Live sketches that yeah. like, guys we do this thing to ourselves where you know you set a standard right two guys can't be talking to one another right but then right but what we really need is the space to talk to one another and none of those are readily available right you create this space here with taking off the mask which is wonderful two guys just talking right being vulnerable with another with one another just sharing right yeah. that's the way it really should be right yeah. you should be able to kind of go into those conversations without anyone really thinking any less now we do live in a much more evolved society, so you can, right? right? But the sentiment is still out there that it's not okay for guys to do things. And I think that's the biggest struggle. That's what like manhood, if you will, like all men I think are trying to collectively wrestle with if we're keeping with that theme yeah. uh, because we're all trying, or at least my hope is that we're all trying, right, yeah. to improve humanity in some way, Yeah. right? And yeah. we need those spaces to be able to do so. We need safe spaces in which guys can drop into that boyhood, right? Yeah. That kicking the ball or throwing the ball or goofing around and roughhousing with each other, yeah. telling jokes, whatever it is, yeah. right? In a safe way that it's not disrespectful or degrading of anything, 
but then allows them because being in those moments and acting that way, I believe takes us back to a boyhood element of ourselves, which at some point was beaten out of us, right? Either physically, right? Unfortunately for some, but also emotionally for others, right? And verbally for others to say like, that's immature. What you're doing, you can't be doing, right? (laughs) Stop. Yeah. And what that does though, is it cuts us off from the bridge that I think takes us to the other places of vulnerability where we really do need to share from, right? right? Childhood, the boyhood energy is the bridge to get to the vulnerability for us. I think Mm -hmm. women are given a chance freely to do that. They're encouraged to do that. They're encouraged from the get-go to embrace their emotions and to fall into that, you know, young self, that emotional self that allows them to reach out and connect with everyone to be vulnerable. It's not the same for guys. Right. So there have got to be spaces you know, I do want to say, while the sketch was funny, I thought it missed a lot of major things about manhood and masculinity today. It does address how guys find it to be weak to ask for help. And this is what gets in the way of intimacy. I thought that was really wonderful. Um, But at the same time, well, why is it? Why is it that we have difficulty with with intimacy? Why is it that it's not okay for us to ask for help? Right. Why is it that we're alone all the time? And we don't necessarily know how to relate to other people. That's right. I think a lot of it has to do with the rest of the standards that are on us, right? You need to be a producer. You need to be a provider. You need to be at the office working at a breakneck pace, right? I mean, it's just kind of all all those things are going to lead to, right, people who who are underdeveloped because they haven't been able to really express themselves in their full humanity, right, in the fullness of who they are. That's right. And I think that, you know, even, even something as simple as, and I think when you what you were saying, what, what brought it to me is I remember the first time a man told me that he stayed home and took care of the house and the uh-huh. kids. Now, as a person who thinks that I don't, I think everyone should be able to do whatever they feel best right. suited to do. I remember just my own self feeling like, huh? Like, almost like a, almost like, huh? You, you do, what, say that again? Like, say it again? Like, and it was my own like deep programming that that's, I feel totally like that's great. You love raising the kids. You love being able to take care of the home. Your wife is working and she loves her job. And I remember just how I, how, what, what happened inside of me was like, Oh, what, where was this coming from? Cause I don't believe it, but it's the normalization right. of it exactly. that makes it then become, Oh wait, why, why is that? Why does that even seem like it is not okay or strange or it's different or whatever? Because the normalization is powerful. It's not that every man is out there trying to do bad. It's like if we don't if we don't question the things that happen that we don't that we're like, hmm, why do I feel that? Why do I believe that? Why do I believe that? Or what is where is this feeling coming from that is saying that? And I realize that because it's programming. I was programmed really young, right? right. And work. I think that. Yeah. And I think that how do we begin to help deprogram the things that are no longer serving our community, our society as a whole, and and definitely for for men and boys, right? I think that more I thought about where where are you based? Where are you based? What part of the world? I'm in Pasadena. Oh, you're in LA. I was thinking like, what if we just what if we make what if we make one of those? What if we have invite a bunch of friends to a, to to come to a man park? We're gonna go Oh, that's a great idea. Really do it up. Yeah, just do it. We're gonna have a kickball. We're gonna do. We're gonna hang out. We're gonna do. Oh, just that's come a great idea. And just do it. Like make one, and just invite a bunch of friends. Say, hey, inviting all men who want to come. We're gonna be at this park. 
and just do it right Let's and just, just kids. and yeah. see what happens and see what happens yeah. and just really like think about what if it what it I mean, I'm on a men's team, so thank goodness I have that. But I think about how many men who don't have a place where they can go and be more of their full self. You imagine, right. I, I, I mean, I only been in, in my organization 10 years. So before that, I didn't even know it was possible to trust men. I didn't yeah. trust men. I didn't, have, I, didn't right. have a, I didn't have any. I have friends from college, but we talked about career, where you're at at this point in your career, uh, you know, what promotion you're about to get or you just right. got. And right. you're going to the next alumni event. But all those things. When you're trained and conditioned from a young age to know that you have to go out there and in some way it's kill or be killed, right? You see your father leaving, right? For those of us who are lucky enough to have fathers to see leave for the office, you realize that it's a solitary, you know, moment, right? It's an individual moment. You don't know that he's going to be in an office to work with other people. The impression is you got to go out there and do it alone. Right. 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 And if you have to do it alone, that means you can't really trust people. And that furthers the doing it alone. If you can't trust anyone, right, then you might as well just do it alone. How can we get back to a place where it's actually not only um, expected, (laughs) it's that we ask for help. It's accepted. (laughs) I was trying to think of those three words. And it's right. And and it's even even checked up on. Right. How are you doing? You doing all right? Yeah. I mean, right. the, you know, the other way, of, when you ask people how they're doing and you actually confirm, hey, are you sure, man? Like, it almost turns into like, I have to fight you now because now you're questioning that I'm right. okay. Right. As opposed to being like, no, What's actually, I, right. yeah. As opposed to like knowing that you're actually asking because you want to make sure that you know that the space is safe to like go deeper if you needed to. Exactly. That you like, no, actually, I'm really okay. I'm really well, good right now. So funny about it is that like women, all the women in my life, they all have like these group text chats, right? Of <laughs> friends from college or different parts of life. They're always, these are my girls from New York. These are my girls from college. These are my girls from whatever it is, the, the girls in my mommy group, right? And they're all talking. And guys don't do the same thing on a regular basis. And it's so bizarre as to why, because the idea of like being a soldier and a brother in arms with people like comes so naturally to us, yeah. right? That yeah. like the military is having so many problems accepting women because it's like, no, we're a, you know, uh, we're a team. We're a team of men, right? We trust each other. We got each other's backs. Same yeah. thing at sports, yeah. right? We go into so easily this idea of being on a team, yeah. right? But then what does it really mean to like be a member of that team, right? To be a brother to someone or to be a soldier with someone and to yeah. say that like when you come with that shit, that's right. right. If you have that shit, I'm going to be here to receive it. Right. Yeah. I don't have to take it on. It doesn't need to be my own. That's right. Right. But I can be a brother for you and I can be your brother in arms about that. Right. Oh, that would be, I mean, that's what's really fascinating to me is that like it's so easy for us as guys to do it on a superficial, we're going to march into battle together. Yeah, right. Yeah. We're going to go to the football game together. Yeah. Right. And it's so difficult to do the other things, which is like just reach out and say, I had a really shitty day. Man, someone was an asshole to me, and it made me feel really sad. Man, as to know that it's good, it's it's actually expected that you do that, man. Thank right, you. and I'm here to fix it. I'm just here to let you know I see you. Right, I see you. I'm with you. Right. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I you know, listen, I I'm telling you, um, thank you, Th- uh, thank you for being in this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for. Uh, I feel like you know what we always know in this in this work is that. What if we had a space to do this on a regular basis? And I think our work is a, is supporting. I have an office phone that doesn't ever work. 
until I'm on yeah. a recording. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's what's happening. But um, I, I think about it in saying like, if we could create more spaces for more men who don't have a space like this, who don't have a space to explore what are the things I'm talking about all the time and what are the things I'm not really ever talking about and to know that you can be accepted and expected and respected the same, I think we could we could make the world a lot better, you know? And I think that um, that's my goal, one mask at a time. And so yeah. um, thank you. And and how, how about this? Um, will you tell folks how maybe somebody resonated with, with the work you're doing and they want to yeah. reach out? What, um, how can they reach out to you? How can they find you? Tell us, or any last words you have for people who are listening to you and who, yeah. are, who are trying to find their way even in this moment? Uh, so I think it's always, a, there's a, a, there's a wonderful concept in Judaism called Tzimtzum. It's from the Kabbalistic tradition. It, it occurs when we learn it, we learn about it when God creates the world, right? That God was like all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so God contracted God's self to kind of step out of the way and allow for creation to take place. Right, literally removed God's self, removed removed God's self from the environment. Um, I I wonder what that would be like if, as guys, we took a moment of pause to draw back, right, to pull back the projections, right, to do a contraction, pull back whatever projections we're putting out there, and say like, okay, what what is all this space that I have to really put who I want out there, who I am out there, right, and to create that. I wonder what that would really look like for all of us, not only for guys, but to pause and to say, there's a lot of bullshit coming my way. There's a lot of demands on me. There's a lot of people asking me to be something that I don't necessarily want to be. Right. And so how do I step back from all that quiet it, quiet the inner critic. Hmm. Right. And look at this blank space to say like, I can be whatever I want to be. And what I have is already enough. What I am is already enough. But I can put something else in this space that is authentically me and makes me feel really good about that. That isn't a mask, but that is the, you know, the entirety of who I am and that people will love. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, I'm I'm daily working on quieting that uh, that other stuff. And so I appreciate that. And I'm and I hope that we will. I mean, I hope that as you're helping men do that, as we help men with through this platform, do that. Quiet the noisy voice that's telling you you're not enough and just stay Get, yeah. get, get present, you know? Exactly. Um, do you want people to, if people want to follow you or see what you're up to, is there Please. a way? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I post personal stories, but also primarily the podcast that I put together, the Jewish Divorce Podcast or the Jewish Divorce Project. The nice. Jewish Divorce Project is the name of the podcast, available on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher as well. Um, same thing with the Human Podcast, H-U-E-M-A-N an exploration about men of different shapes and sizes, shades and size, um, you know, just kind of having the conversation about it. We should have you on. Joy and I should invite you as a guest. So we'd love to have you, Ashanti. Um, Thank you. I look forward to it. And uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Noam Rauscher or send me an email if you're, if there's some work you want to do. If Look, if you're a guy in the LA area and you're looking for a men's group to go to, right, a, a man park, if you will, in which you can really share and get connection and community from guys to talk about these things like Ashanti and I have, um, reach out to me at Noam Rauscher, N-O-A-M-R-A-U-C-H-E-R at gmail.com. And I'll be happy to connect you. I'm the representative for the Mankind Project in Los Angeles. I help guys find chapters all over the place all the time. So reach out to me. Come, friends. I got lots of stuff to share. I'd love to work with you. Please. 
Oh man. And you know, I I, I maybe I should have caught it and I didn't catch it. So I did my new warrior training at Camp Krim in oh, 2000 man. in 2011. Why did we talk about this from the beginning. <laughs> it all happens when it's supposed to happen. So Did you it, do it in the winter or uh, the summer? Uh, it was cold and rainy. Oh god, I did it in Washougal, Oregon <laughs> in the mountains with snow all around. Oh, oh that, that's a that's our next conversation. That's All our right. next conversation. All right, we'll do it. Oh all. my god. Well, I am so appreciating you, Noam. I appreciate you. Thank you for being a part. And all this will be in the show notes, folks. So if you didn't be able to copy it all down, it'll be in the show notes. Um, we'll make sure you can find a way to connect with the brother here. And I look forward to our next conversation. I'm Peaceful Bear. What's your name? I'm King Salmon. Ah, King Salmon and Peaceful Bear. That's a podcast right there, man. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do Salmon it. Salmon and do the it. bear. Oh, man. I Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thanks for thank you. Thank you. Taking Off the Mess podcast is produced by Ryan Louie. Editing videography is also by Ryan Louie. Graphics by Kelly Wong. And a special thanks to the team at Ever Forward, Vanessa Cortez and Kevin Romero. And I'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast. As we hit this one year anniversary, we hope that everyone who's been a part knows that they're a part of the Taking Off the Mask experience. And we look forward to you being a part of it as well. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe and share. And we look forward to us continuing to offer conversations that matter. Take care. See you soon.